My name is Ryan Miner. I am your host of a Minor Detail Radio podcast, where the minor details of every story matter. Each week, I talk to Maryland newsmakers, from elected officials, journalists, political candidates, to policy wonks and everyday Marylanders. A Minor Detail podcast is the fusion between Maryland news and politics. Real people, real stories, honest conversation. You can also follow us on the web at aminordetail.com. Sit back, relax, and have fun. Because uh, she has recently announced that she's exploring the opportunity to run for Montgomery County Executive, uh, not as a Democrat, but rather as an independent, and uh, Councilwoman Florine has been elected to the Montgomery County Council, but since 2002. Yep. And so we are, we're here today in Garrett Park in her lovely home, and uh, I walked in, in here, and it's this beautiful um, <laughs> um, old-style home, and it was built in, what, the late 1800s? 1898. 1898, and you've been here for 28 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... You've had an exciting couple of weeks, or a week or so, when this story dropped, and I, I, I said to my friends, that, and I put this Facebook post out, Councilwoman, on the day that you could, the last day that you could actually run for something or to file for an independent bid, and I said, if anybody really wants to change up the race, they could jump in and run as an independent uh, and upset the, the political establishment. And by God, by 3 o'clock that afternoon, I had texts from people saying, did you see what Nancy Florine did? And they said, did you tell her to do I'm like, no. I said, I didn't tell her to do that. They, uh, she, you know, she's interested in running, and I think it's a, a unique opportunity for her voice to be heard. So, um, and just a little bit about you. You served on the planning board for how many years? Eight. Eight years. And... Um, you were the mayor of Garrett Park for what? How many terms? Uh, one and a half. I had to resign um, when I was elected to the county council. And that was in two thousand two. Two thousand two. And um, you are uh, uh, for, for being in politics. Um, you're a young lady, <laughs> and uh, you were twice elected as the the council president. And you served what? Two terms ago as council president. Sixteen. Uh, I, I was council president in 2016. In 2016, right? Because I remember before that George Leventhal was council president. Uh, I I can't remember exactly who was what when. I was uh, president in 2010 when the economy tanked. Yeah. And then in 16. And it seems like when bad things happen, no matter what, the leadership always gets the. Uh, the the pushback, but in this case, I was. It's always interesting to see someone like Hans Reimer, who is the council president during an election year, uh, serve as council president. Sometimes that's a a mixed bag. Uh, whether it could be a good thing or it could be a bad thing, but it actually turned out to be a good thing for him. Well, it's a hard job, you know. Uh, the job of the council president is to speak for the council. That's right. Uh, and it's not so much to advance your personal political agenda. And so it, it's it's tough to it's sometimes difficult to um, walk that line. I had to do that in 2010. Yeah, I, I I don't envy that. And you were also on the 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 eight. You were chair of the Planning, Housing, and Economic Development Committee for eight years. Yeah. Well, I'm finishing that up now. Okay. Yeah. Um. And so we're in this uh, mm-hmm. vortex. You're term limited because um, the Republican nominee for Montgomery County Executive Robin Ficker worked 
to get term limits on the ballot, and I believed it passed in 2016 with some 69-70% of Montgomery County voters approving that. And I remember back at the time, many members of the council, they were opposed on two term limits, and I think based on the merit that we should not have to artificially set these limits on who we choose as our elected officials. Where did you come down on that? Oh, gosh, yeah, you know, we have term limits at yeah. the election box every four years. And I've seen, you know, elsewhere uh, where people are limited to two, two terms. Uh, the minute they get reelected, they start looking for the next job. There's been a lot of uh, special elections in other communities. Just look at over Prince George's. Uh, well, that's been the case because, you know, they start start withdrawing from their their elected position to a certain extent and have to focus on on uh, their future. And I, I, I don't see the need of it. You know, if you don't want to support a member of the county council, don't vote for them. Yeah. You know, they, that's politics, that's legitimate, and that's the way to go. But people were persuaded that somehow, you know, this would change the world. I don't know of that large candidate's who would have uh, run again anyways. Of course, three of us were uh, term limited anyway uh, under uh, the proposal. Actually, George uh, Leventhal and I had will have served four terms, mm -hmm. which is more than the others. But uh, I don't think this achieves a great deal for the community. And the last thing you want are all new people who know very little about the community to be making the big decisions, you certainly want some variation in experience and background. The new, uh, the new folks, I don't know Will Jawondo, uh, Gabe Albernaz, though, has some pretty good experience. You know, he's been director of recreation. So For he knows, 10 years, I believe. Yeah, he yeah. knows the county really well. Yeah. And, of course, Hans is back. And Evan uh, Glass is a good guy who's been engaged in the community. It, it, I'm sure it'll be a big learning curve for him, too, but at least he's been around. Uh, in a good way. Uh, the new council member from um, uh, District 1, I don't know. Uh, Andrew Friedson. Yeah, I don't know him. Um, so he's not, has the, he's going to have a, a big lift. Just just learning the, the rules and who does what and where the bathroom is, that sort of thing. I'm well, sure he's a great guy <laughs> and he'll, uh, he'll bring a lot to the council, but it, it's a lot to learn. You know, it's not like state government. We are out there all the time and we make the decisions and it's there's no escaping the limelight. You don't go with the group. You don't get told what to do by the, the majority leader. You've got to make a decision, and um, it's very, very different. In Montgomery County, there's over a million people who live here, and it's larger than some U.S. states. Uh, I believe it's larger than the state of Montana and probably Wyoming and some of these states that have between 500 and 600,000 people. It's just remarkable how you have so much influence, and it's also interesting to me that the county executive race on the Democratic side has been decided um, at this point by 80 votes. Mm -hmm. 80 votes between a newcomer to politics, a businessman, David Blair, and Mark Elrich, who has served on the council for, uh, what, two or three ter three terms, I believe. It's the end of his third, yeah. And so, here he is, and uh, it was, I just couldn't believe how close it was and how much of a dichotomy there exists between uh, people who, you know, like Mark, who has a long history 
and county government is known somewhat as an outsider um, and someone who is not so friendly to the interest of local businesses. Uh, lives in Tacoma Park, which is that liberal bastion down in below the Beltway. And then, of course, David Blair, who uh, the argument was made that he didn't know a whole, whole lot about county government, but he jumped in and used his business background to uh, promote different policies and an agenda. And it came down to those two. I was surprised when the Washington Post came out so forcefully for him and opposed to Mark. And I believe they wrote two editorials that were strongly supportive of uh, Mr. Blair. And so we're not sure what's going to happen, Councilwoman. I think that tomorrow is uh, the, the deciding day of what David Blair, he may call for a recount. I know that he's a few votes shy or with outside of that percentage mark. Well, he had, he has three days after tomorrow, I believe, in which to decide whether to formally request a recount. Mm -hmm. I'm sure he's evaluating that as we speak. Uh, the likelihood of finding uh, 80, 80 votes floating around is uh, pretty small. You know, they just did that in, in Baltimore County, and I think they found uh, eight more votes for the uh, successful candidate. Right, Johnny... Uh, John, Johnny O. Yeah, Johnny O, who yeah. former state... <laughs> I, no one can pronounce his last name. I don't name. want to butcher his last it name. Sounds like a, it sounds like a drive-in yeah. burger. <laughs> and, I, of course, I know State Senator Brochin, he, they, they ran a great campaign, and that election came down to initially by nine votes, or seven, seven or nine votes. It's hard to believe how close these elections are. And so, you know, here we are today. Uh, it looks like that pending the results of a potential recount, if it's called by Mr. Blair, and, and I believe according to state law, he would need to pay for that. Yeah, pay for it, yeah. And so, and that can be costly. It's not to say that there's... He, based on how much money he has pumped in his own campaign, it, it would be unlikely that he would not be willing to pay for it. I would think that that would be no issue. But nevertheless, if he chooses to go that route uh, and the election results are confirmed tomorrow, today's Sunday, July the 15th, tomorrow will be the 16th, uh, the state board would have to, to uh, officially confirm the, the, the election that Mark Elrich won. Nevertheless, here we are today, and uh, you, um, when you've, Let's, let's talk about the process about after the election occurred, how did you make the decision that this, the, the executive seat might be something that you would run for now that the, two Repo the, the Republican candidate has been decided and the Democratic candidate has, for, you know, for all intents and purposes, has been decided? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, I really wasn't going to do this. This was not my, my plan. Uh, and uh, I supported some candidates, worked really hard for them, both for, uh, I worked hard for Rashawn Baker, yeah. I worked hard for Rose Krasnow, and, uh, you know, they weren't successful in the primary, and, you know, we all went home and said, oh, and then I started getting bar bombarded uh, with uh, requests, and Nancy, you got to do something about this. This is not an okay choice. And my initial reaction had been, yeah, I have already made that call. And then I said, well, um, can I do it? I'd have to change my party registration, and there are some legal uh, hurdles to that. And uh, uh, the state has been telling people that uh, you couldn't uh, file as an independent. Uh, or what you do, you have to file something called the Declaration of, of Intent. Right. 
and that the piece of paper says you have to identify your party affiliation on it. Well, I couldn't legally do that as a Democrat under what I had been told. Uh, but I was told by others that, well, actually we think that uh, that advice from the state is uh, misplaced and that you can indeed uh, get file and say you'll change your registration as soon as you could. So, you know, I thought about it and uh, I've got to say, faced with uh, uh, prospects and the, what was a, at that point a somewhat larger margin, but still uh, a, a real really pretty close margin, I finally decided, yeah, I, I really should do this. And you went for it? Yep, went for it. And so you changed your party registration. I, I assume that, now you can do that online because I've done that. I'm a former Republican and back when Donald Trump got elected and even before then I said, you know what, this this party of mine, it doesn't, uh, it, it, it certainly doesn't represent me any longer. And so I became an independent because I, I have kind of beliefs all over the map and that's and that's okay I'm 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 I uh I, I'm not a uh, a party person but for you you've been is it a lifelong Democrat yeah you've yeah. been a lifelong well uh, actually when I first uh registered to vote I did register as an as of Massachusetts I forget it was if it was unaffiliated mm -hmm. or an independent and you know of course because I was a free thinker I wasn't going to have anyone tell me what to do right this was gosh uh, when I was 21 and uh in the 70s, <laughs> early 70s. And then I go to vote in the primary and they say, oh, honey, a honey bunch, go away. <laughs> uh, and that's when I learned uh, I have dealt, done myself out of options. Uh, and then I had to change my registration back then. So you've been a Democrat. Uh, had, yeah, I've been, that's, it's funny, my daughter did the same thing. Yeah. I, I said, honey, <laughs> pick a team, at least for the primary purposes. Right. Uh, but... Uh, so that, you know, uh, that, the, the thing about party affiliation is, at least for what we do here in Montgomery County, uh, in local government, I have never in my life either asked a staff person or a person who had an issue or came to testify or complained or was positive what party you're associated with. It's, it's irrelevant to our decision-making. That's right. It's important to people at the state level and at the federal level, but locally, you know, certainly in uh, uh, municipal elections, those are nonpartisan. Uh, the Board of Education, those are nonpartisan elections. As they should be. What's bizarre is that the poor judges have to run for office, and they're on two ballots. They're on the Republican <laughs> and uh, Democratic ballots for some bizarre reason of uh, state law, apparently. Was it... Was it a difficult decision for you, Councilwoman, being that you were, you've been actively involved in the Democratic Party for many years, you've supported Democratic uh, candidates, was it a difficult to make the shift to an independent? Well, first of all, I'm not technically an independent. We don't have an independent party. Well, we're you know this. You that's right. unaffiliated. That's right, unaffiliated. <laughs> I need to get my terminology you correct. sure do. <laughs> uh, but, um, you know, not really. I mean, I have always been available. I've counseled uh, loads and loads of candidates about how to proceed. And uh, there aren't that many de Republicans, I suppose, who feel that comfortable in talking to uh, us elected Democrats. But the party affiliation has never really played much of a role. You know, Montgomery County, we're kind of a weird place. We're not like, in some states, the party machine 
has a major role mm -hmm. in uh, getting candidates elected. They find them, they support them, they finance them, I guess. They do all sorts of things. Not here. At, uh, here, uh, we have a primary, and the party doesn't get involved because it's all the same people arguing amongst themselves. <laughs> it's the bubble. Yeah, and uh, when that is done, because of the, um, the electoral base, there really has never been too much campaigning uh, for the general. Yeah, that the so primary decides it. Pretty much, yes, it's decided. Uh, periodically, uh, Republicans have gotten elected to, we've had some, uh, certainly um, on the council and in the state legislature, but right now, uh, we're all Democrats. Do you remember the that? We've been all Democrats until I guess I'm the one who's not. Yeah. Out of every one elected person in Montgomery County right now. Well, going back, well, you know, two points I want to make. Going back to when you, you've have you officially now changed your party registration? Yeah, I did it as soon as I could. Uh, it's funny, I did it, and now then I thought I did it right after they said you could. It's set. They have. There's a rule. I believe it's state law that closes the registration mm -hmm. for 11 days after the primary for some reason. I suppose it's for staff purposes or whatever, but I couldn't say. So the minute they opened it up, uh, I, I went and changed my uh, party affiliation. And then the other night, I was lying in bed and I think, gee, I wonder if that went through. <laughs> <laughs> so I went and I checked and it still didn't show me um, in, uh, as an unaffiliated uh, so I did it again just to make double sure on a on a computer, but the, they have like a three week delay in getting all the data yeah. through. So, anyways, yes, I've certainly made best efforts to make that happen. So the the official ch changes has occurred. Well, from my end, I did that's everything right. I could. Well, that's you've done every <laughs> you've done everything you could, and now you are faced with the obstacle that you have a deadline, August oh, yeah. the sixth, yeah. and that's what I want to talk to you about. You are required to petition what one percent of Montgomery County's voting electorate, and I think that equals out to somewhere around what seventy-two hundred. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. And so now you're forced to petition to sign to have people sign a petition that says, it doesn't matter which party registration they could be unaffiliated, they could be Democrats or Republicans, and you have the the unavoidable task of talking to, you know, 7,200 people, and I assume that you're going to want to get more, of course you're going to get more than that number because of course it's going to naturally be, some will be thrown out, some will be challenged. So what's that process? How are you preparing to, to take on that endeavor? Well, it's really interesting. We've had, an, I've had an avalanche of uh, volunteers uh, come and say, how can we help? So we're organizing them uh, and we're uh, hiring assistants to, to uh, bring it home, so uh, I, I, they're starting now. We've been collecting uh, since I really made the decision on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. It's just been amazing. You know, we've gone from I've gone from zero to sixty in two weeks. Yeah, Our literally. campaigns take you know months to organize, and we still have lots of things to uh, to put put in order. But uh, it's been really amazing, and what's been <laughs> been uh, right so humbling uh, are the friends and neighbors who have, you know, jumped on board in a big time way, either financially or in spirit or actually, you know, going to help. Could you, in the Washington Post that was reported, uh, I believe on Wednesday, can you retell the story you were walking your dog? <laughs> 
And somebody asked, "What are you? What are we going to do, Nancy? What was tell that story?" Honest to gosh, I was walking the dark on uh, Wednesday morning. Uh, I tried to do it early before it gets to it. My neighbor was out watering her bird bath, you know, and she said, "Nancy, am I going to have someone to vote for?" <laughs> Uh, in November, really unsolicited, and um, I said, "Yeah, I think so." And you think so? Yeah. And because uh, I, you know, hadn't really made the decision exactly for sure until uh, till Wednesday afternoon. So uh, it was. Uh, I think she sort of summed up uh, the reaction I've gotten from many, many people from all walks of life. Well, I know that you've taken this step to to hire professional people to, to run this operation. And so I assume you're going to be reaching out to your network. Uh, and I'm, uh, since 2002, you've been on the council, so I would imagine that you have a, a vast and expansive, uh, wide-ranging network that you can go throughout the council. And plus, you're an at-large member, and you're known all throughout uh, Montgomery County, having run uh, for the at-large seat uh, four times. And so... Uh, 7,200 plus more so. You'll, you'll pro- I, I'd imagine you'd, I, I, if I were thinking in strategic terms or tactically, I would think maybe I can get 15,000 because they, they could be challenged. So are you going to go door to door? Are you going to go to supermarkets, uh, shopping malls? Or, or what's that process like? Everything. Yeah. Everything. You know, it's a really short, short time. Uh, really about three weeks. It's, uh, it's going to be incredible. Uh, but I think we can bring it home. Yeah. You know, I, I have spent all the years I've been um, in public service. It, defining public service as serving everyone, regardless of their background. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I hear from this certain chatter. You know, I'm focus, focusing on certain groups as a support system, and I have always worried about everyone. And that, that's the message I have. Uh, repeatedly stated in public, whether it's to a Democratic Party group or to any other group, you know, I've always been thinking about and worrying about the people who are not in the room. Right. And uh, I think this is an opportunity for for those folks to feel engaged, feel like they have a real choice and that their views are respected. I think we need to get back to that. Well, and since you have made the, the decision to, to to jump into the executive race after the primary, you have taken some heat from Democrats who say this is going to split the party. This is going to, this could potentially get the Republican nominee, Robin Ficker, elected. And then you have members of the county council are coming out, Hans Reimer, who I believe last week wasn't sure he was going to support, and then he wrote a Facebook post to say that he was going to support Mark Elridge. Uh, Nancy Navarro is also supporting Mark and Tom Hucker and I believe Sidney Katz. So you have the Democrat. Some people in the Democratic Party, and especially Mark Elridge's supporters, are saying, "Oh, Nancy Florine could have had her chance to run in the Democratic primary when six candidates ran, and then it was decided." What do you? What, what was your? Res- what would be your response to that comment? My response is that Robin Ficker has is going to finish third. <laughs> I think that's a fair response given his election history. He's been elected once back in the, I believe it was 1978. 
uh, when he ran for state delegate. That was a while back. Uh, this, I was not born yet. <laughs> yeah, I was, I'm an eight. Oh, that's a way to think about it. Well, there you go. I was I was born in '85. Uh, and so, you know, the Democratic. Some people are saying, "Oh, Councilwoman Florine, she's just going to split the vote. It's going to be a problem." And um, and and I'm sure you can understand that point. But from the flip side, there are people that, who are independents, are many, many, 150,000, I believe, in Montgomery County who I've heard from many of my network, and I want to preface this with, it's true, we all live in a bubble, okay? And I live in this, this political bubble where I hear the same chatter from the same people, and you go to the same events and you see the same Democrats or the same Republicans, but when it comes time to vote, often you don't hear from that, uh, what's really happening outside of our political networks. And I, and I respect that, and I think people are looking at the race and they're saying, well, Mark Elridge is too far to the left, and we we know that. We've seen it. He got a lot of votes um, in the primary, and he beat the other guy who was seen as the business-friendly, the moderate Democrat, um, by 80 votes. And as you said in the Post article, there's no mandate going into this. So do you think that a third-party candidacy will open up a real conversation for all of Montgomery County to talk about issues that is just not the Democrat versus Republican. Absolutely. That's certainly the plan. You know, look, 70% of the Democrats who voted did not vote for Mark. That's right. You know, uh, so uh, I, I think uh, people are interested, are engaged, and care a lot. And would like to have a real conversation instead of a coronation. That's really the question. You're right about the coronation. And speaking of uh, Councilman Mark Elrich, he has a, a pretty diverse base uh, in, in below the Beltway in the Tacoma Park, Silver, Silver Spring area. And as a Democrat, what are your concerns about his candidacy that uh, would, I guess, would inspire you to consider jumping into this as a fellow Democrat? Well, uh, I'm not a fellow Democrat. Not a fellow Democrat <laughs> anymore, but anymore. previously. Uh, uh, look, we get into the specifics of the campaign and, and those kinds of differences. Uh, once we get, I get to be a candidate. Sure. Uh, I'm not there yet, and we're doing a, working hard to get there mm -hmm. right now. But that's another conversation okay. later time. Well, and I think that the argument that people are making against Mark is, is that it's, it, he represents a certain constituency that are far to the left that is not representative of Montgomery County, Montgomery County in, in total. And I think that that's a fair criticism. People are saying that if Mark is elected county executive, that Amazon may choose not to, to ultimately set up shop here. And there's many questions we want to know about Amazon. And like I said, that's for a later conversation. But nevertheless... People are concerned about Mark's candidacy that it's just going to drive Montgomery County way off to the left coast cliff. And that's what I hear from people. And as a someone like myself who is decidedly in the center of, of politics, um, they, they looked at candidates that, were, that could pull all constituencies together. Can Nancy Florine pull all constituents of Montgomery County together at the table and sit down and have a conversation? Well, I really think I can. That's what I've been doing. Mm -hmm. uh, that's my uh, always been uh, my objective in all these conversations. I've never uh, shut out um, different perspectives. 
I've never been had a particular agenda uh, that was limited to a certain worldview or anything of that nature. Uh, I've really always just trying to been working for the future of Montgomery County. We have uh, a lot to offer, uh, and we have, you know, we have certainly are going to have have some fiscal challenges going forward. But this is a great place, and I, I have to tell you, um, we really need leadership that will reflect that and take us forward. Going into the general election, and I think that Republicans will have a difficult year, and I believe the last Republican to serve on the county council, was it Howie Dennis? Howie Dennis. Yeah, in District 1. Yep. Mm -hmm. And so I don't anticipate, unless by the strike, you know, mm -hmm. something astronomical happens outside of the, uh, the, the norm that any Republican will be elected, but then we would have eight men on the council mm. to one female, and that's Nancy Navarro, who represents... Um, the, the District 5. What is your take on that? I mean, there were some very promising women candidates. One, Marilyn Balcom, who I believe placed fifth um, in, in this election, who I thought was an excellent candidate and, and still could be in the future. What is your take on that? We have, I mean, this is one of the most progressive counties in the country, and in Maryland, we're the largest county, but we have eight men and one female. Yeah. What can I say? It's shocking. I certainly did my best to support uh, uh, women candidates in this race, and uh, look, a lot of a uh, lot of uh, credible candidates ran for uh, uh, the county council at large. Uh, possibly, you know, they, they learn how to become candidates. That was good training for them. Uh, some of them will continue, no doubt. Wait, it's a daunting effort. Um, we have some perennials. I think Will uh, Jawando had run a number of times for various things before uh, this one. Uh, I, can't, I don't know what to say about that result. It's too bad. It gets kind of lonely yeah. at the council. <laughs> yeah. uh, Nancy and I have been holding down the fort. The two Nancys. The, the two Nancys, so we're continually confused. <laughs> it's unbelievable. And one thing I will say, what's interested me about uh, what I've been doing over the past couple of weeks is some of the sexist comments I've been dealing with yeah. are, are really... Where are they coming from? Well, people who are unhappy with my uh, decisions. Uh, I is it social and, media? Yeah. A phone call to my office. You know, my poor staff, they work for the county. They're not politicians. Right. Um, but it has been uh, really revealing. Uh, the... The misogyny, misogyny out there uh, that's underlying some of this. I certainly wouldn't cast that as a standard of behavior, but you know, it's it's been interesting. I have pretty thick skin. I mostly ignore it, but it's it's out there. But does it ever? I would imagine. I mean, we're all human, and even been in politics for um, for for several years. But even still, there's there's some issues that I think would get to me, especially as a as a mom and uh, as someone who's represent. I I don't know how you do it. That you'd have to have tremendously thick, thick skin for especially Montgomery County, because look, this is one of the most educated places I've uh, I've ever lived in. And I've lived in Washington County. I lived in Pittsburgh, in D.C. And people know the issues here. Front, backwards, forward, sideways, horizontal, you name it. People are very clever, and people know exactly what is going on, and they know candidates' platforms. Uh, yeah, they're really, really uh, – our residents are really, really smart. Yes. Uh, and they're good at manipulating things as well. 
you know, and the world of social media certainly has changed conversation. Mm-hmm. It's easy to go down rabbit hole. You know, I'll if I post, I don't know what I'm going to do about social media. I post one thing and it all turns into something else. <laughs> you look at the comments. Um, so, you know, everyone has a voice. That's right. And uh, that's okay. Uh, we all wonder, you know, the extent to which these people are that there are some people, I think, that post that are, you know, just sort of out there trolling, uh, looking for opportunities to say, uh, to disrupt the conversation. Um, and, you know, that happens. That's the world we're in. It has changed things. And, you know, for people who are not used to that, they may not see that. I've seen it. And it's a real chat. Well, well, sure, but you're used to it. Uh, but sure. for the average person, uh, it's a really, really um, turns them off and sends them away. Uh, from engagement. That's one of the challenges. How do we bring everybody to the table? Right. You know, not just, you know, people from one one party line or the other, but everyone. Uh, that's going to be uh, something I'm going to be working really hard on. I want to say that my uh, my wife is is a Republican and she's she's very moderate. At least she gets to vote. She does get she did get the vote. <laughs> and I, I will tell you and I don't think she would mind me sharing this because she she texted me on the way over, and she said, make sure you tell Nancy that um, I left the county executive blank on uh, when I voted. Ooh. And she said that Nancy Florine would be someone whom I could definitely support and get behind. And so I asked her, I mean, she and I have very different views, and I, I mostly defer to her because she's my wife. And right, wife. <laughs> and, and, and I said, well, tell me about that. And she said, Robin Ficker's not a viable candidate. And I said, well, Go and tell me more about why you think that. And she said, I think people see Robin as a as a gadfly and someone who maybe comes around every 10 years or so. And look, to his credit, he got the term limits on the ballot. He got the Ficker Amendment passed. Um, didn't necessarily work in his favor because all nine council members supported the uh, the property tax increase. Um, but I will say that that my my wife is very concerned that. There will be no legitimate candidate, and she would also she she's very supportive of female candidates as well, and women running for public office. But here in Montgomery County, they know Robin Ficker, they've seen him in action, and the, even Republicans will concede, just like my wife and people who are part of the Republican apparatus in Montgomery County will tell you that Robin Ficker is simply not going to win. There's no chance that he would he would win, and he would likely place third in this this election. And really the race comes down to people who have experience like yourself and Mark, but who can bring all sides to the table. And you also have an executive background um, as the mayor of uh, Garrett Park. And so you you know about how to, to bring coalitions together. And, and I want to ask you, in the, in, the, in the years that you have spent on the council, you've been through a lot. This county this county's been through a, a lot of changes in the, in, in the last 10 years or so. What would you consider some of your most important accomplishments as a member of the county council? Well, you know, in, uh, one of the uh, biggest challenges uh, was in 2010 uh, when the economy tanked. And we got, uh, we'd get word every other day, well, actually the money that was uh, revenue stream is less. Yeah. I mean, honest to God, well, we had to borrow, I think we, essentially had to borrow some money from the school system. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they have all the money now, <laughs> uh, uh, to, to pay our bills for them. Uh, it was a very scary time. 
and uh, it was time where you know I was on the phone all all the time uh, with my colleagues, uh, with and this was election year, the unions, everybody saying you know this is what we're going to do, we have to do this, there is no alternative, and sort of reassuring people that we could get through it okay. I'm sure Ike was doing the same uh, from his end, uh, but that was really the the hardest. The, a really hard time, and I think um, I shepherded the group through. It, they didn't suffer any uh, negatives in the election that year, and I think the public felt comfortable about the decisions that we had to make. Uh, in 2016, uh, we were dealing with uh, a huge issue with school funding and the like, and uh, again, I was able to cut a deal with the school system about how are they, they were going to spend uh, the money, uh, which had, was unprecedented in terms of an agreement. We don't have, you know, the council, the county executive, we, we're not in charge of policy or spending decisions with the Board of Education. Right. But um, that year I called all the union people, the head of the school system, and I said, if you want that money, you're going to have to make some concessions to us about how you spend it. And it worked out. Um, and there was a, a certain amount of disgruntlement about um, the fact that we had to uh, uh, raise property taxes just a tad. Uh, but I will tell you um, that was extremely difficult. And I brought, was able to bring the council along and all the players along. And the, the you know, politically people, a certain amount of uh, crankiness out there. But financially, residents, I think, have been pretty comfortable with the result. Uh, and we've been able to continue to uh, support what's our most important product, which is our children. Yeah. Yeah, having two kids in our public schools, I can certainly relate to that, that how we shape our education system and the values and priorities uh, defines the type of community that we want. And, of course, Montgomery County, we have many of goods and services that um, we're very lucky to have, yeah. and we have to find a way, of course, to pay for those. The, uh, the other thing that I have been probably the strongest advocate on the county uh, council for over the years has been affordable housing. Mm -hmm. Now, that's not something that polls well. You know, People don't always understand that as, issue. As, as, uh, you know, as a vote-getter, you know, if you run on the platform of affordable housing, are people going to vote for you? Well, I don't know that that does so well when you ask as voters, but at the end of the day, I think that's one of our biggest challenges. Anyone who has kids looking for a place to live here or is trying to, you know, pay the rent themselves is is uh, is anxious about that. And um, that's something I've worked on very, really, very hard for a very, very long time. Making changes, finding ways to create incentives. You know, you got to have more housing if you're going to have more affordable housing. That's the fact. That's right. Matter. It's just the truth that sometimes communities have a little trouble dealing with. But uh, at the end of the day, that's something that I'm the proudest of and uh, that we've really been able to um, help um, help achieve some things. We're just finalizing some work I've been working on with respect to the laws on this uh, this now. Let me, let me ask you your take on the, the public financing system. Mm -hmm. You've, we've gotten a taste of what how it applies to elections throughout this past election, and I believe more candidates just chose this election to jump into the race because of public financing. Would you consider using public financing, or would you fund your campaign in a tradi traditional route? Well, right now I can't. 
Uh, the rules don't permit me. Right. Uh, so that's not an option. Uh, I think it, it certainly encouraged people to run. I don't know if the people who were elected would, would have been elected anyways without public finance. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure it really changed the outcome. Uh, Andrew Friedman didn't do it. Uh, I think the at-large members all did. Uh, Mark did. Uh, I think three of the candidates who ran for executive took public financing and three funded their campaigns in the traditional route. Bill, Bill Frick, Roger Berliner, and David Blair. That's well, right. Well, that was the, <laughs> David Blair mostly paid it out of his own personal checkbook. And he took a lot of heat for that. He, well, you know, hey, you know, you can. Yeah. You, you're going to take heat no matter what you do. That's right. You can't win. And, um, and, and then you just have to have, uh, tell your story. Tell the story. And, I mean, similarly, and I live in Congressional District 6. I believe this is the 8th Congressional this District. Is eighth, yeah. um, and your representative is Congressman Raskin. And um, depending on what happens in the November general election, um, it looks like David, David Trone is, it's a good year for Democrats. I will say that. It's a great year for, mm -hmm. for Democrats and for independent Democrats. <laughs> um, so, you know, David Trone, he spent a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And so I am not opposed to people spending money out of their own pocket. I, I think that... Look, you got to get a message out there somehow, and I want to say this, that a lot of Mark Elrich's supporters said, well, Mark did the tradition. He went public financing. However, he had a lot of help from Progressive Maryland. He had special interest groups who started a super PAC to help him run, and they pumped in over $100,000 to support his candidacy. So I think it's a fair point to say that Yes, Mark Elrich took public financing, but he also helped had his he also had his campaign or aided his campaign rather these other special interests. Well, and that's one of the challenges. It's it's true at all levels of uh, campaign financing. Uh, uh, you encourage uh, third party money, you know, yeah. that you can't really track, um, and that is we knew when we passed the public financing rules that uh, that was going to happen. I was a co-sponsor of that. Mm -hmm. not, I, I think it's a great thing. I wish, you know, what I wish is that you had a publicly financed campaigns that, that happen in a set amount of time, say six weeks, a month, two months, uh, soup to nuts. <laughs> have a conversation, make it real, and get it over with. Keep the cost down. And uh, instead of this, you know, running, pe people have been running for rest positions here for years. The, yes, they have. <laughs> they have been. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just a waste of, of dollars and focus. We want elected people to be focusing on their service, not on their election. Uh, and the way, the way my world operates is, you know, if you're running for another job or a big position, some of my colleagues have been running hard for several years now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, to no avail, frankly. Bless them. Bless them. Uh, yeah. You know, what make the compelling case for the, the, the fluorine candidacy? <laughs> what's, the, what's the compelling case to, to everyone who is listening? Uh, well, at this point, uh, let's give everyone a, a choice. Yeah. Uh, let's have a real choice at the polls. And uh, once we get... Uh, past uh, August 6th, we can start a real conversation about priorities and how we're going to get there. This is a hell of a summer. Yeah. <laughs> just, well, you know, uh, 
you've got to think differently. And yeah. we as a community need to start thinking really differently about how we advance our needs and how we achieve our goals. I think that's a you fair know, point. We really do. We have got to get out of the box. Uh, as a council member, I've seen lots of things that I would do differently. I started uh, moving us into privatizing our economic development initiatives because historically, I really, you know, bless our previous county executives, uh, it depends on the personality in that job, not necessarily um, anything else that determines how Montgomery County is viewed by the rest of the, by the county itself, by the rest of the state, by the country, and by the world in terms of our opportunities, and we've got to change that. You served under two county county yeah, executives, I, mm -hmm. one, uh, Doug Duncan yes. and Ike Leggett, and they both had unique management styles. They both had interesting times in, in this in the period of Montgomery County. We saw a lot of changes, so um, are, you, are you sad to see Ike go? Oh, he's done a great job. I think he's been the right kind of executive for the right time. You know, uh, his focus has already always been on an inclusive uh, community, and I think he's done a good job of that. Yeah, and I think that um, he, he has done a good job, and I think that he's um, he's had to balance a lot of issues that have come before him in the last several years. And, you know, the council has been, um, and I see things that you all work very well together, so it seems. I mean, you know, you have your political disagreements, and differences on policy, but for the most part, uh, this is a congenial council. Uh, you do things, uh, I, I don't see a whole lot of disharmony, from at least from my perspective as yeah, a I private mean, citizen. Yeah. So. You know, you've got to get along. I tell people it's like showing up in a, a boarding house with eight other people, and you know, you got to figure out who's using the refrigerator at the same time. That's right. Who's taking whose stuff. And, uh, you know, I think it's really important for, um, for us to work together, and I think this group has. Uh, we've had more uh, disruptive council members over the years. Yes. Uh, it can get a little personal, um, but people have held their fire about how they feel about each other. It's been interesting uh, this past year. I've got, I've had three colleagues running against each other <laughs> all year. Yet, you know, we could come to the table and uh, make decisions together, agree or disagree, and. Um, folks have been able to put those differences uh, to one side. And um, I'm sure that uh, Mark and I will continue to uh, get along um, over the next couple of months. Uh, frankly, you know, I think you make a greater effort to be congenial under that that's, uh, the spotlight we're in. Right. And, you know, as we wrap up, uh, your, your background, you're an attorney. Mm -hmm. And it's and I know people might be listening, oh, another attorney in, in public office. You need more attorneys, <laughs> let me tell you, because you've got to read that stuff. Yeah. And, and know how to write the, ask the right questions. That's one of my concerns about the next council. I'm not sure there'll be any attorneys on it. Roger and I are the only attorneys right now as members of the kind of council. Do you still practice law? No. Mm. What was your field of practice? Geez, well, I started out ironically as a real estate attorney way back when, and I, before you were born. Before I was born. Uh, <laughs> and before you were born, I was uh, an attorney at the Justice Department. Hmm. Uh, then I uh, did some uh, local practice administrative stuff and a bit of land use after my time in the uh, uh, planning board. Actually, I represented community groups all over the Montgomery County. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think it's an important skill for... Uh, legislators to have to think critically. Yes. 
And uh, that's going to be something that uh, the new council is going to have to work on. And I would like to see more moderation where people are able to, to have a conversation without so much partisanship mm. and to talk about issues that are, that bring people together but so many partisan extremes. And I see it, I monitor it on Facebook and I've seen, you mentioned this earlier, but I've seen so many nasty people that mm. are flinging mud that uh, operate in this partisan bubble and they do everything by the what the party says or they have a certain ideology and I'm thinking that's what's tearing our country apart. Well, and they do it anonymously. Oh, yes, they do. And that's that that breeds people to say whatever they want without any consequence. Absolutely. Uh and at least local decision making is not like that. At least uh, for us mm -hmm. it has been that way. Uh you might you might question a few of the things that have we've taken up over the years, but by and large, uh it's pretty thoughtful um uh, policy uh, decision making supported by uh, really great work by our staff, county staff generally. And so, uh, by and large, in our uh, decision making debates even have not um, uh, have shown a lot of partisan anything. You know, periodically, we'll, you know, the support will come from one group or another in the community. Uh, and they may be more partisan, but the way we've been making decisions has not, I don't think, reflected that. Yeah, and I want to give a shout out to the staff who work for the members of the council oh, and the boy, executive. I have, I have asked questions about certain policies, and I've asked questions about um, just basic community issues. They have gotten back to me immediately through email. They go out of their way to accommodate citizens. I love that the county releases press releases all the time. <laughs> and I want to give the, the council credit for fighting back on the, uh, the Grosvenor Strathmore, uh, the metro, where, you've, you, you know, where the, the Washington Area Metro Transit Authority was going to initially not um, do what they did, and they, they got rid of the turnbacks. And as a frequent metro rider, I've got to tell you, I remember you would get on, I would get on at, like, uh, at Metro Center. I'm like, oh, i got to wait for the next train to go back to Shady Grove because one was going to Grove Center. And I'm like, why can't we just fix this? It's rush hour. Why are we doing this? So <laughs> that was a great thing that you all did. Well, you know, uh, you've got to remember where I'm from. I, I'm from the Grosvenor uh, location. <laughs> That's right. So uh, I had somewhat mixed feelings about uh -huh. it. Uh, uh, certainly, uh, it was great for me yeah. and uh, the people who get on at, at Grosvenor to have that turnaround, yeah. uh, to have that predictability and have a place to get on. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, the demand on Metro, of course, is extraordinary, and uh, you know, the real issue for the future is capacity. You know, we're making great strides in getting it funded. You've got to wonder why has that been so hard. Why has it been? I mean, really, you know, this is the thing that's kept us going. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, we're making good red strides on that, and we will continue to uh, support regionalism in that regard. Yeah, and I should give a shout-out to um, Mark Corman from District 16 and uh, my state senator in District 15, Brian Feldman. They're two of the best and brightest minds. They've been working hard on figuring out this metro funding and this major problem that we have. And we do have a major problem. Uh, thousands of Montgomery Countyans use the metro system every day, the red line, and we know that it's a mess. It, if, if it gets backed up, just like 270 or 495, 
you're going to sit and wait in traffic. And I'd love to see less cars on the road and more options for public transportation moving mm -hmm. forward. Well, you know, uh, another good podcast for you would be the future of the uh, of the Montgomery County delegation. And uh, you know, we're lot losing. You know, Rich Madalino is gone. Yeah. Uh, Sheila Hickton is gone. Uh, these are people who were in the room. Yes, they were. Yeah. And smart. Well, that, what I'm saying is they've always been in the room where big decisions were made. Mm -hmm. uh, now we've lost them. And so uh, Ann Kaiser's terrific, and she's been in a leadership position. Who's going to lead the delegation uh, uh, and have access to the halls of power in Annapolis going forward? That's going to be a really... Uh, I hope it's Ann and others. Who are the other players going to be? Well, here in big issues with all the newbies. That yeah, we've got. and depending on the outcome of the gubernatorial election, that should be a widely watched uh, big election coming up. And I don't know what's going to happen there. And Montgomery County has huge issues uh, facing us in terms of the, what the education funding formula is likely to be, how how that's going to be handled, uh, uh, various. Uh, Folks have said various things about where they're going to fall on all that. There are no formal rec recommendations yet, but uh, uh, I think that that's going to take a while to get sorted out, and that's a you know that's a real lifelong for us. Were you concerned when the governor passed an executive order to move schools times uh, school start <laughs> dates to after Labor Day? I you know I, of all the things to to create a brouhaha about, I wouldn't have picked that one. Yeah, I hear you. Um, I mean, I, I certainly see the economic argument, and I also see the local control argument, um, which is um, you know, maybe we all want to have an extra week at Ocean City. That's fine. But ah, uh, gosh, you know, we're talking about uh, regional vacations. I'm not <laughs> sure this is the should be the primary focus of anyone. Yeah. Uh, tough decisions get need to be made, and someone's got to make them. I, it, it's surprising. Yeah. That that was viewed as so important. And we're here, this is legislative district 18, mm -hmm. and uh, th that's going to be a major change. Yeah. Um, uh, Rich Madalino was your state senator, and mm -hmm. he is, um, he's stepping out because, of course, he ran for governor unsuccessfully, but um, looks like Jeff Waldstriker will be the next state senator. And, boy, that was a, a, a really watched race in the primary for the eight different candidates. Uh, Hot and heavy, let cool. me say. Yeah. And, well, you know, and you know, they're still counting in District 16. Yes, they are. Uh, so that District 16 will be looking at a recount. I don't know if it's begun or what. Yeah, I I, rem I saw an email sent out by Samir Paul, who re is, of course, requesting a recount because Sarah Love was ahead by nine votes. Nine oh, votes. And yeah. and so that that will be whatever pending the results of that. I mean, think about it. It's separated by nine votes here in the county executive race, 80 votes. Well, you know, and it's a reminder. Uh, I know that that... Um, those kinds of margins, even smaller, have been the result, I believe, in Frederick over the years mm -hmm. and uh, Prince George's. Uh, you know, very small margins. It's a really an important reminder to folks. Every vote counts. You've got to get out there. Yeah, every vote does count. And, <laughs> and, we, and, and it will be counted over and over, apparently. And I, and I know that in 2016 you were um, a supporter and champion of... Um, Former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, and mm. and you know we unfortunately we know where we are with that, and I think people are looking for uh, a county executive of a major p 
player in the Washington region, uh, regional area. This is a, a huge county. We're, we're competitive with um, with Fairfax County. I think people are looking at the president and saying, "Man, we would like to have more women in office to stand up and say, hey, this is not this is not good.'" And I, I just I'm watching television. I'm thinking, you know. Even I know the very basic decorum. You don't step in front of the queen. You don't step in front of the queen. And I know, you're shaking your head, and I'm thinking, oh, God. Don't get me started. I always always look at the the pictures of leadership and just count the women Mm -hmm. and people of color. Yeah. You know, it's not changing the way it should. It, It needs to change, and I hope that we're in a progressive county or we're in a thoughtful place where... Um, I'm hoping that more women and uh, people of color and of diversity are elected to public office because it's representative of who we are as a country. Well, and you know, when you look at the decision making, you got to say, you know, that I think the average person would say, "Is that person worrying about me?" Right. And how do you validate that? Well, do they look like me? Do they feel like me? Are they, you know, uh, copacetic with my points of view? Um, I think that's really important. Right. And when you look at and when you're appearing or li- before or looking at a picture of people who don't look like you, right? you got to think to yourself, oh, these are not my people. They don't care about me. I mean, this is one of the challenges that we as elected officials uh, need to worry about. Right. So um, wrapping up, uh, I assume there's going to be a landing page or a web page where people can... We're working on it. You know, yeah. It takes a while to I'm get sure. this all organized, but we're, everything is... Uh, coming on. We at least have email. You have email, yes. <laughs> that's a really big achievement. Well, that's important. you got to yeah, communicate. Right. So, well, Councilwoman Florine, I am excited to see what's in store for you and for your team, and I'm sure that your uh, people will see you out and about collecting those signatures um, for the August 6th deadline. And I, I want to say thank you for running. I, and you've run several times. You've been in elected office for for years, but it's it's hard to put your name on a ballot. And anybody who does it, I have to give you credit because you're stepping up, and it's not easy to to take the the heat or some blowback. And but um, I appreciate you running. So thank you very much. Yeah. Well, thank you, and uh, best of luck to you. Thank you.